We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, welcome to another edition of the Irish, Break- Irish Breakdown Podcast. Kind of a special edition, Ryan, simply because it's preseason talk, or I should say Notre Dame preview talk, and we had to move our time up because Notre Dame was having a practice today that they changed the time on. So I've got to get done by a, you know, around 2 o'clock or so to be able to get over to Notre Dame's practice. But we're going to continue our our preview of the season, Ryan, and we'll have full on predictions coming up tomorrow night. We're just going to kind of keep leading into these type of things. And today, Ryan, I wanted to give as honest of sort of a preview of the football team as possible as we kind of lead into our predictions, because our predictions tend to be like fun, right? Like this is what we think the team will be or should be. We do old predictions, you know, we kind of project a little bit, but what I want to do today is more of a, you know, where they are right now, sort of analysis of this football team. And to talk about, you know, what we know, what we don't know yet, what has to be proven during the season. Some of the big surprises from fall camp. Look, nothing we're going to see today is going to surprise us. We've already seen a bunch of practices. They're just going to give us five minutes of walkthrough time. If they were going to do like a full, you know, full practice availability today, I probably would have waited on today's show just to get a little bit more data. But we're going to see individual. And if you're on scholarship at Notre Dame, it can't look good during individual. There's a problem. Okay. So we're going to talk about what we know and what we don't know, Ryan. We're going to start off with the offense, go to the defense, and, and even have a few comments about the special teams before we kind of wrap the show up with this conversation. If Notre Dame is a college football playoff team, and what we mean is a team that gets there and can do damage, not just gets there and gets their butts kicked, but like the team that we think they can be can get to the playoff and be considered a contender for a championship. These will be the reasons. So a little bit of prediction involved, a little bit of pro- projection involved. But also, if the, if they fall short of expectations, this will be the reasons why. And, and what we're saying there is short of a championship, not like seven and five, eight and four. That's more of a disaster thing that we can't really project, in my opinion. Just yeah. more of if you know they don't quite live up to what we hope and think that they'll be. These will be the reasons why. So that's going to be our topic of conversation today, Ryan. And I and I want to start off with the offense because this is the side of the ball that people are freaking out the most about because of. You know, just the fact that as we, man, we tried to warn people, the offense is going to take more time to develop. It just is. We did the same thing with the offensive line last year. We told people it's probably, it's going to take some time to, 
to get them going and the offense is true so far. They did come out and have a nice jersey scrimmage win. The feedback I've got about that so far has been very positive, but that's the side of the ball that I still think has the most approved, Ryan, because it's the most faces, most new faces, you know, transfers, guys that didn't play a lot last year. So I think that's the side of the ball where it makes most sense to start because I think this, for me, Ryan, this is the side of the ball where we do still have the most unknowns about this football team. I mean, it's it's really funny, isn't it, Brian? I mean, for the for the first time in a long time, I feel like Notre Dame is stockpiled with talent all over the offense, but it's the main question mark. And it's understandable because defense is a little bit more free-flowing, right? Like guys can just make plays. They can kind of play outside of structure a little bit, and they can make their plays all over the place. Offense is much more dictated on people being in sync, doing your job consistently, and having a, a very consistent approach to the game. You know, running – aiming points well as a running back, offensive line staying in sync with the guy next to you, quarterback timing, wide receiver timing, and route precision. There's a lot of nuances to the offensive side of the football that is takes a longer to mature compared to defense. I mean, if you have a Micah Parsons, for in, instance, right, you could just say, Micah, one player at middle linebacker, one player rushing off the edge, just go make a play, right, at the end of the day. So you could do those types of things. Offense always takes longer to mature, and that's just the simple fact of where we are with this offense. And I also think outside of – and I know we'll get into the quarterback conversation. This is still a very young in terms of age offense. And it experience really is. in some regards, yeah. And, in, yeah, and a lot of a lot of regard and experience. I mean, your top offensive playmakers are all juniors or lower for the most part, right? Your offensive line is buoyed by two excellent offensive tackles, but – they're both juniors, right? right. Like they're both what twenty yeah. years old. And Those baby. are your I mean, vets, right? <laughs> exactly, right? Like right. Zeke Carell is about to be a fifth-year senior. He's probably twenty-two years old, and people probably look at him like, "Wow, look at the old man in the room!" Right? It's right. like it's just—it's so funny that this stockpile of offensive talent, but yet it is still a young offensive team. Some in terms of age, some in ter- terms of experience, but regardless. The building blocks are there, and it's mm-hmm. exciting. And I think that when it all is said and done and it matters most, Notre Dame's offense is going to be very good during yeah. this season. I'm excited about it, man. I'm really excited. I'm not at the point where I'm worried about it because this yeah. is kind of what we know. I, I've said this before preseason. First few days of practice, you think you can light the world on fire. By the middle of fall camp, you think you suck, can't beat anybody. By the end of fall camp, you kind of have an idea of who you are. And so we look at this football team on offense, Ryan, and let's first, ter- first talk about the things that we do know about this offense because a lot of things I'm excited about you can't say are knowns because here's what we don't mean by knowns we're not referring to talent right you and I know this is a talented football team that's more big picture broad we want to kind of zero in on more specifics we know this team has playmaker playmaking potential we know that they have talent. They We know they have upside. We want to focus more on what is the knowns about it more specifically. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're stressed about buying tickets or doing some last-minute ticket hunting to college football games, concerts, comedy shows, your favorite activities, Game Time is the place for you. They take the stress out of buying tickets. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. That's GameTime.co. So we want to really zero in on these aspects of the football team. And when you talk about the knowns, Ryan, the biggest known, obviously, and we, we could, I think we could go easily go with quarterback, but for me, the biggest known that we have right now about Notre Dame is the offensive tackle position with Joe Waltz yes. and Blake Fisher. The reason I go with the tackles first is because those are guys we've seen in a Notre Dame uniform. We know what the floor is for that group, and it's pretty good. Do we know if they're going to be the best tackle tandem in college football this year? No, we don't know the answer to that. Do we think they're going to be one of the best? There's no doubt about it, based on just what we've seen. What we saw from that duo the second half of last season alone says they're going to be one of the five best tackle tandems. It requires Blake Fisher to take a jump for them to be the best but that's where the starting point goes right there, Ryan, is will they be the best? Not will they be good? That's established. The tackles will be pretty good this year, barring regression. Well, yeah, I mean, we always talk about floor versus ceiling conversations, right? And, I mean, the floor is if they are just what they were last year, then Blake Fisher is a good starting offensive lineman at Notre Dame and Joe Alt's an All-American. <laughs> that's got to – if they're just as good as they were last year. Now, the hope – is that Blake Fisher takes a massive step. Right. And obviously, there was a reshaping of the body that happened this offseason. Clearly, there were parts of Blake's game, maybe from a flexibility and foot quickness perspective, that he wanted to improve coming into 2023 season. I'm very hopeful that, for that maturation. And we also can't discount the fact that Joel is only entering his third year in on a college system, his second yeah. year as the full-time starter, third year as a starter – and he could still get a lot better. I mean, he's added significant amount of weight. I think like seven or eight pounds this offseason. Yeah, he's he's gotten stronger. He's getting more, more explosive. So just kind of seeing those things together, 
if Joe Wall takes a step forward and Blake Fisher takes a substantial step forward, then they have an opportunity to be the best offensive tackle duo in all of college football. They are in that possibility. That's the ceiling. The floor, though, is they're one of the what top five offensive tackle groups right. in college football. I right. mean, that's kind of where you are right now. Right. Because with every team we talk about, Notre Dame, Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, everybody, it's okay, you can't have regression, right? But we can't spend an entire show talking about as long as there's no regression. So we'll say that kind of once up front. The tackle should be pretty good. There's no doubt about it. And that's a great place to begin, Ryan, because, you know, as I've said this about Luce Emoji, Luce Emoji told me that Joe Moore would say when he was the coach here that the first thing, his his goal every offseason was to make sure he was set at tackle. That's where he yeah. began building his offensive line is, are we good at tackle? That was in an offense that didn't even throw the ball a lot. Right. So, you know, as a more in a more balanced offense, that's obviously something that we're going to to be comfortable with more comfortable with obviously needing to be able to protect the quarterback so that there's even greater uh, impact on that. So we we did see that. I think you could you could even throw Zeke Carell into this conversation as well, Ryan, and just say we know that up the center, up the middle as well. But I think there's still some question marks that you and I have that we'll get into about how the guard position is going to impact Zeke. So that's why we're not really focusing on him just yet. Another known is we have to be able to put Sam Hartman in the known category because this is a kid that's thrown for 12,967 yards and 110 touchdowns in his career. We don't know what his numbers are specifically going to look like, but we've seen Sam Hartman play college football for five years now. We've seen him play against half the schedule that Notre Dame has faced this year. I believe he's played at some point in time in his career, a lot of them multiple times. We've seen him play in bowl games, ACC championship games. So it's a little different than like, you know, like a Cameron Ward who transferred to Washington State last year. Really talented quarterback, but there was a jump he was making from levels, right? And, you know, there might be a little bit more, well, we're not quite sure how he's going to adjust to that jump. And now I know that's a reason why you think Cameron Ward's going to be a lot better this year is because he now has that year under his belt. Sam Hartman's played against Clemson. He's played against NC State. He's played against a lot of the teams that Notre Dame's going to face this year. He's, he's played against Wake Forest's defense every day in practice. There you yeah, go. Exactly. That's a great point. I wasn't even thinking about that. No one's yeah. seen Wake Forest's defense more than Sam Hartman. It's true. So when you look at it, Ryan, there's a baseline there that we know about Sam Hartman. The yeah. fact that he emerged as one of four captains, to me, answered any remaining questions that we might have about his adjustment and ability to transition to Notre Dame. We'll find out what the production specifically is going to look like. But you made a great point, Ryan, when we were discussing how to go about having the Sam Hartman conversation, which was simply this. We know that the quarterback play at Notre Dame this year is going to be a lot better than it was last year. What that will mean numbers-wise remains to be seen. But the level of play, the quality of play, Ryan, is certainly going to be a major upgrade. And that is something we know, barring injury, about this football team. I mean, I think Sam Hartman's going to be stellar this year. But yes, I mean, again, we're always pointing to the baseline of things, right? The floor of things. The floor is that Notre Dame won two games last year with a quarterback thrown below 100 yards. Like that happened last year, guys. They went nine and four and beat a team, a SEC team in a bowl game, scoring 40 plus points in that game as well, by the and way. And gave right? up two pick sixes against <laughs> that team who beat Clemson and beat Tennessee convincingly, yeah. by the way. Notre Dame gave up two pick sixes and still won that game. Yep. And one of them was in the end zone where they were about to score another time. Yes. So it would have been to put the game 50 away. points exactly. in that game. To yeah, exactly. Put the game so away. It's at worst going to be better than what it was last year. It has a chance to be excellent, though. It has a chance to be one of the some of the best quarterbacking a Notre Dame team has seen in several years. Like that's how good Sam Hartman can be at Notre Dame. 
But at worst, I mean, if we're being honest with ourselves, does anyone expect a the quarterback position only be able to throw 85 yards against Clemson this year? Like that's not going to happen, right? It's right. not going to. A proven commodity, a player that has been there, done that, had some great numbers against most of these teams that he's playing this year as well. Right. The baseline is that the quarterback position is going to be very improved from what it was in 2022. To your point, Ryan, let's give out some numbers, right? We like context. So here's here's passing yards yardage numbers that Notre Dame had in games last season. 85 in a win over Clemson, 116 in a win at Syracuse, who was ranked at the time, 150 in a win over Cal, 151 in the loss of Stanford, then 156 in the win over Boston College, 177 in the loss to Ohio State. And then you look at Sam Hartman, and I don't believe he's ever thrown for less than 200 yards in a game. Actually, he did the opener of the 2021 season because they blew out old dominion so bad. He had, uh, he had fewer in that game, but Sam Hartman last season, his, his lowest total last season in the game, Ryan, I'm looking at this here was 234 in a, in a 10 point road win at Florida state. Meanwhile, I think Notre Dame barely averaged 200 last year, right? Like it was right around the 200 numbers. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that was his. It was two hundred seven point one. That was his low yeah. last year. Prior the pre, pre previous season, Ryan he had two hundred thirteen in the ACC title game against Pitt. He had one hundred eighty eight in the opener, but he went eighteen of twenty seven and had three touchdowns and a forty two to ten win. So you're 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 looking at it and you're you're saying, boy, this is a different animal, right? This is an and and we've seen a a quarterback transition from a Power Five team to Notre Dame before. And for us to say, make comments, that this could be the best quarterback play they've had in a long time. Y'all have to take that in consideration because these are two guys that were very high on what Jack Cohn did in Notre Dame two years ago, right? We were very high on what Jack did at Notre Dame two years ago, but this is just a different level in my opinion for what, for what Notre Dame is going to be, to be able to do. Another known Ryan to me is the running back position. And now some of you may say, well, hold on a second. Other than Audric, we don't really know. And my answer is, is I think that we do, because here's why I will say, this one kind of breaks a little bit of the mold of what we're doing here because, A, you have an established starter. You don't have to use your depth a lot the way that Notre Dame has in the past. We've, we saw that with Kyron Williams. I would like for them to. But running back is the one position, Ryan, where I care less about experience and more about the talent. And last year is a perfect example. You you go into the season last year, and Audric Estime had what? I'm, I'm looking at it here, Ryan. I think he had – 260 career rushing yards, correct, going into last year? 230, excuse me. And then Aldrich Estime had 60. So last year's duo at running back had 290 career rushing yards going into the season, and they rushed for over 1,700 by themselves, right? And over 2,000 when you put Chris Tyree into the conversation. If you have the ability, you have the ability. Now, the health of this group is a bit of a you know a question mark, but right now they're healthy, and we can't really control what will happen. This, they're healthy right now. When you have five guys with the talent level that this group has, I mean, we heard it in the spring in the, the scrimmage the other day. You started off with no Audric, just arrest him. I don't, I believe there was no issue there. Just arrest him because you already know who he is, right? Because he's such a known that you don't even play him in the scrimmage. So, uh, Janarian Price comes in early, gets some really positive carries. I don't believe he got hurt. My understanding is they just kind of limited his reps. They get all the way down to Jeremiah Love, and he's going off in the scrimmage, right? I mean, Right now, Jeremiah Love is your number five running back. That's a top 100 recruit. So running back to me, Ryan, experience matters more at receiver than running back, and I still don't think experience matters a ton there to a degree. 
it doesn't matter like it does a quarterback, running back, or tight end, offensive line, D line, where you know you need a little bit more grown man strength, but also experience. Running back is just one of those if you can play, you can play positions. It's one of the more instinctive positions in football, and that's part of the reason why. Uh, but also, it's a position that relies on what's happening around you as well, and we expect the line to be good. So, to me, I have a great deal of confidence that the play at running back this season is going to be very good. And the other part is too. It's got the depth allows it to be more. The margin for error at running back is greater now than it's been in a long time because of that depth of talent, in my opinion. Well, I would say this too, Brian, is that if this was just the running back room without Aldrich Estime, or say Aldrich Estime without the the production that he saw last year, you would still feel good about the running back position because of all the talent they had. But again, if we focus on the baseline for a second. Audra Gestime would have ran for a thousand yards last year if he was the guy in the offense. Like he would have been a thousand yard rusher. The fact that you have that guy as your number one runner and everything else just has to mix in and find its role behind him. I think that's really, really, I think that that's really what, why the proposition turns from very good, promising to very good to potentially excellent running back room. Like I think that's potentially what you have here because you do have a baseline of an Audra Gestime. You know Audrick Estime is going to be a good football player. We've seen it. We have seen it. How good or how impactful is Jeremiah Love going to be in 2023? It's a little bit of a question mark. Is Jadarian Price going to be able to stay healthy? Is Jabron Payne going to be able to stay healthy? But all those guys together, you have bodies behind it. Right. And with all that together, you're going to be able to find a high level of production behind behind Audrick Estime. What right. exactly is it going to look like? Is there going to be a de facto number two back? How many running backs are going to play on a given Saturday? There's a lot of questions that come with the position, but the, I don't think there's really a question of, is it going to be productive or not? It's just right. a question of what exactly is it going to look like? Like, is Jabron Payne going to be the de facto number two running back when it's all said and done? Is Jabron Payne going to carry that torch? Is How it going to be determined by the run scheme that they're going to use on a given exactly. week? Like, if this is a week where they're going to be duo inside zone, we might see a mess of Jabron Payne as number two. If this is a week where they're going to be doing stretch and outside zone encounters, maybe we see more of Jadarian Price and, and, and Jeremiah Love or Devin Ford, who who fits that style very well. We could see that as well. Ford. Yeah, we could, we could see that group as well, Ryan. And I mean, yeah. to your point, there could be two injuries to the position and you still have a, as good, a, as talented of a three-man t- combo as most teams are going to have on the, in the country this season. And that's something to certainly be excited about. Here's my something that I feel confident about. It's even a prediction. It's an expectation. I fully expect that the, the efficiency at the running back position to be greater this year. We saw that from Audric in the last 10 games. He averaged 6.6 yards per carry in the last 10 games of the season last year. That's that's not something that you go over a stretch of three or four games and it's inflated by that game against Team team A that stinks that you average 12 yards carry against, right? It's not that. This is over a 10-game stretch that included the bowl game, Clemson, you know, North Carolina, Cal, uh, Syracuse, all those teams, right? Uh, USC, all those teams, 6.6 yards per carry, which is really impressive. Just to... To, for context, Ryan, you know, because we, we we like doing that here at Irish Breakdown. We like giving you some context. Josh Adams in his monster season in 2017 averaged 6.9 yards per carry. And he had more 50-plus yard touchdowns in one season that year than any Notre Dame player had in his career, according to the great Lou Samoji, right? And so, uh, and Audric wasn't that far off uh, from that, correct? So, and he doesn't have Josh's home run speed. I mean, I, I think what his longest run was last year, like, what, 40-something yards. Something like right, that, where yeah. Josh had an eight, couple 80s, 
couple 70s. <laughs> Aldrich's a single and a doubles hitter, man. He's not a home but, run hitter. But yeah. that's the point, though, right? To be at 5.9 yards per carry is really good for that type of runner, but to be at 6.6 over the course of a 10-game stretch is really efficient football for a kid that size. And, and if Notre Dame's pass game can support him, this is one of those what we don't know is we'll get into. Uh, we, we What we don't know is is that. And here's the thing is – you know, some some comments in the chat just to make sure we're clear on what Marcus Freeman has said. Marcus Freeman has said this football team is always going to be a team that is is going to run the football. And they're going to they want to be dominant running the football. What Physical, I think that often yeah. gets turned into is they're going to be run heavy. That that's he I, I very specifically asked him this question when I had his one on one with him and he made it clear. He's like, look, we're going to dominate running the football. We're going to run a run the ball when we run them when we want to run the football but we're not going to team, be a team that just runs it just to say we're running it. If you want to put eight, nine guys in the box and we're going to, we're going to rip you up. So we may have a game where we only run for 150 yards, but we're going to average six something yards a carry. Cause we kept pulling and just ripping you up. Cause you kept giving us the stuff outside. Explain yep. that very clearly. It's not about the volume. It's about the effectiveness, the efficiency and the, and the ability to force defenses to say, if you do not respect our run game, we will rip you up. If you're just going to play your base defense and play off and say, we're not, we're going to not let this guy beat us on the perimeter. We're not going to let Sam Hartman beat us. Fine. We'll run for 350 yards on you. It's really about kind of taking what the defense gives you to a degree, but more so being able to dictate to teams what they're going to do. And I think that the RPO aspect is another known. We're going to see more of that this year. And that's something that's going to provide a really nice balance with what they're doing in the run game. I, I think that those first two topics that we or the last two topics we talked about, Brian, with the quarterback play and the running back play, those things are in inner lines, right? Like they're aligned in a lot of ways because I mean, for me, defenses have to treat the Notre Dame offense differently, but they can only do that if Sam Hartman is what we think he is, right? And if he's a known commodity, and I know that we both think that he is a known commodity. Then the running backs will benefit from that, right? I mean, can you imagine? Because the cra- I think the craziest part about what Audrey Estime did the last 10 games of the year, to your point, right, of the 6.6 yards per carry, is that he did it against some loaded boxes most of the time, man. Like, there wasn't like a bunch of light boxes he was running into. With Sam Hartman as the quarterback and with a good offensive line and with improved playmakers outside, there should be some lighter boxes this year, right? right? Which should be. only benefits what Estime and the running backs can do. I don't know that we'll see that early. And we talked about this yesterday, Ryan. I do think teams are going to say, we're going to have to make you beat us with your pass catchers first. Right. And, and because if you're Navy, for example, Ryan, you got to pick your poison. Right. I mean, that, that's the reality is, is you can't stop both of what Notre Dame does. So you pick your poison. Well, right now, what's the thing you feel most confident in? And this is exactly what we're talking about. We just listed several things that we're confident about this season. One of them involved the pass game. That's the quarterback. The others were offensive line, running back, you know, those type of things. And so I think teams are still going to say, hey, we we know we're going to have to play you a little bit more straight up, but we're still going to be very yeah. run-oriented in how we're going to prepare for you on defense until you prove otherwise. And that's clearly something that they're going to have to show teams this year. Let's go to, Ryan, this next sec- section is sort of our big, our surprises in camp. And I think for me, the biggest surprise for me is a guard. And it's really a twofold thing. The one thing we as- just assumed was going to happen based on what we saw in the spring was that Billy Strath was going to be starting left guard. And we were kind of, you know, uh, optimistic that there'd be a battle at right guard. And we wanted to see how, you know, how Rocco Spindler was going to per- play. The, the It was a complete reversal. I mean, by the third or fourth practice, 
it was Rocco Spindler at right guard, Pat Coogan at left guard, and it's kind of been that way ever since. That that it surprises me that they settled on though. This isn't a a, a statement of criticism, right? Because we we got to see them play first. You know, I have concerns based on what we know about you know certain players, but it's 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 more of an observation. It's a surprise if you would have told me before fall camp that within a week they'll have their starters determined. I probably would have told you it would be Christophic and Shrouth. Maybe Rocco has a great start. Maybe Rocco takes that over, but I wouldn't have assumed it would have happened. So Rocco sees hold of that right guard spot really early. And, and Pat Coogan did the same thing at left guard, Ryan. And now I can say I'm concerned about it. I voiced yesterday how I would have handled it. It would have been differently. But the one thing you and I have always said is what you want to have as a football coach is you want to have guys seize hold of starting spots. And so far, that's exactly what Rocco and Pat Coogan have done at guard. Whether we agree or disagree with certain things left guard, that's not the point. We'll find that out. And I think we all hope that, that the decision is the right one and Pat Coogan goes out there and balls out. But you have to give props to Rocco and Pat Coogan for doing exactly what we say we always want to see. Hey, I'm the guy. I know this yep. other guy's a good player, but I'm the guy. And in Joe Rudolph's eyes, they both did that and did it early in fall camp. That's a, That was a surprise to me, Ryan. It was. I mean, I, I, Brian, honestly, I mean, we were talking about this not even, you know, before the summer. We were talking about this in spring where we're like the first guys that we expect to get a crack at it are Billy Shrouth and Andrew Christophic, right? Like those were the guys that we were talking about early in the spring. And then obviously Rocco takes a step forward at the end of the spring. So you're like, okay, this is going to get a little bit interesting moving forward here, right? Rocco's going to get a legitimate chance to start and to beat out Andrew Christophic. And obviously that quickly happens in the fall camp, but nobody was talking about Pat Coogan. I mean, none of us, I mean, we weren't really talking about Pat Coogan. Nobody else was talking about Pat Coogan. Fans were talking about Pat Coogan. He was a guy that's just kind of been forgotten because nice rotation guy at center guy. guard. Yeah, that's it. You know, exactly. Good depth he's been guy. a depth guy at Notre Dame. And that was kind of the perspective of what most people thought he was going to be at Notre Dame. Right. right. And Give that kid all the credit in the world, right? Whether we agree with it or anybody else agrees right. or disagrees or whatever, the kid went out and he took advantage of his opportunity, right? And that, at the end of the day, I am very hopeful that he's going to be a good football player. I have my questions for sure. And at the end of the day here, and this would have been true even if Billy Shrouth was the starter and let's say it's, it was Shrouth and Rocco, neither one of those football players has ever started a game at Notre Dame. So it's right. going to be a concern or a question until mark they until prove we it. see them right. on the field. Can I, can I ask you this question, Ryan? And it's asking the question with the thought that I was having yesterday after the show. Does it give you a, a, a little bit? Cause like for me, I have my opinion about, I'm concerned about this at left guard. I'm actually encouraged by the fact that Rocco so quickly beat out Andrew Christophe because you and I both like Andrew Christophe and we think he's a quality football player and he's got eight career starts. So if you come out and, and this is what we said, if you beat out that kid, especially that early, that gives me signs that the light has gone on for Rocco, right? That's an encouraging thing. I haven't noticed Billy Shrouth in the practices we've seen playing poorly. So it's not like he's out there just getting his butt kicked all the time. Does right. it give you any sort of, for me, it does is so I've been a little tempered in my criticism of it. If you'd have told me before fall camp started that Joe Rudolph's going to put Pat Coogan out there within the first week of fall camp and just ride him, I'd have gone off. And right. I still have some reservations. I would have gone off. Oh, this means he's not this. And I'm concerned about that. And he may not be the guy. 
But when you, we didn't really have that conversation. So we've just kind of watched it evolve. And to me, it almost gives me a sense of I'm willing to wait and see because of how quickly he earned that job. And the fact that it's not like they didn't give Billy that shot in the spring for whatever reason they made the decision, we can agree to disagree with it. But I do have a little bit of a sense of it may be okay because of how quickly it happened. Thoughts on that, Ryan? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I think that that's a really interesting question because I think there's layers to that question, right? Like, because my initial impulse was, is that they're playing it safe, right? That was kind of my initial impulse. And that the older guy, the veteran, the guy that has been in the program for longer, got the nod over the younger guy, right? Maybe the, the less known. But the more I think about it, this is Coach Rudolph's first year with the program, right? It's not like he's been around Pat Coogan for three years and he just knows Pat Coogan and that's just a guy he trusts. Pat Coogan had to earn his trust in a short amount of time. Just like, And they he got the same opportunities to earn his trust as Billy Stroud did, right? As Andrew Kristofik did, as everybody else in the room. They have been with Coach Rudolph the same amount of time, which I think matters. That stuff matters as a first-year coach. So, yes, I am willing to sit back and watch it play out. At the end of the day, I think that Billy Schroth is a more talented football player. There's no doubt about that. Agree. But we know the offensive line position isn't just about talent, right? I mean, there's a lot of really good offensive linemen that have played not only at Notre Dame but everywhere that when you looked at them, you're like, you know, they're not the most physically impressive offensive linemen of all time, but they're really good football players because they understand how to attack leverage. They understand where to place their hands. They understand how to run their feet on contacts and so on and so forth. I mean, I even think back to like Zach Martin has become the best guard in the NFL now, right? But he was playing out of position at tackle as far as his body length is, is concerned and the body profile that he brings to the game but he was just so good, right? Like he's just such a good player at the end of the day. So I look past it and I'm willing to give it a chance because this isn't a situation where if, if coach Rudolph had been at Notre Dame for three years and he's just been with Pat Coogan his entire time there. And he's been there longer with Pat than he has with Billy Shroud. I would second guess or if it a like lot Pat transfer like, or if Coogan transferred here from wherever Joe Rudolph was yeah. like favoritism, yeah. right? Like you would think it's a little bit of favoritism, but the fact that right. these guys started, on an even playing field and had to earn the respect and the trust of coach Rudolph in such a short amount of time, I'm willing to let it play out. I hope, I hope he's right. I really do, man. I hope he's right. Because if, 
Bentley Shroud is a backup offensive lineman for this team this year. The dag, man. But yeah. we're talking about depth. Like, that's yeah. pretty dag exciting. Well, an- another interesting tidbit to those, this whole thing, Ryan, is if you look at Pat Coogan's offer list coming out of high school, Joe Rudolph never offered him a scholarship. He offered Billy Shroud. So it's not like some kid he fell in love with during his tenure at Wisconsin that he's carried over a favoritism. So clearly Pat showed him something. We'll find out if it was the right decision. Because I'm not making the case, oh, it's the right decision. We don't know. Sure. I have my doubts, but what gave me pause is just how quickly it all went down. It gave me some pause. Maybe Coach Rudolph salty because Billy didn't choose Wisconsin. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. I'm just kidding. Totally I'm not kidding. gonna lie to you. The thought has crossed my mind, but I, I, you know, it's just it's when you first get that emotion from it. But I highly doubt a guy whose job is on the line is going to get that petty, you know, about that kind of thing. So, and also he didn't pick Notre Dame until after Joe Rudolph was let go at Wisconsin, if I, I believe. Fair. So uh, hopefully he doesn't have that. That uh, I, I highly doubt he would. And I know Ryan's just kind of messing around. Uh, another surprise in, in fall camp, Ryan, to me, is how quickly Chris Tyree established himself as sort of a, a, a receiver, really, but a guy that Sam Hartman looks to a lot. We, we Everybody keeps talking about, oh, there's no established guy. Well, if you watch the practices that I've seen, we've talked about this on shows, it looks like Sam Hartman likes to look for Chris Tyree a lot, and it looks like Jared Parker likes to design a lot of different things for Chris Tyree to get the football. I have to say that that I expect Chris Tyree to be a complimentary player. I still kind of expect that. But a year ago, Ryan, I was saying I don't think he can move to receiver. I, I don't. Right. I don't think a receiver works. I don't think he catches the ball like a receiver. Watching him the last couple of weeks just running, even going through drills, Ryan, he's running like a little quick post, and the ball's thrown like 100 miles an hour, <laughs> like about a foot above his head, which may not seem like an easy throw, but like a quick post, I'm talking like that's slightly past a, a slant. The ball's thrown with heat and high, and he gets his arms up there, snatches it like it's nothing. That, those are throws I thought he, shorter wide right. receiver. He's only five nine, right? right. With shorter yeah. arms, yeah. I I didn't think he could be a a, a full time. I thought he'd be like kind of like a gimmick receiver, catch some screens, some crossers. That's all I thought Chris Tyree could be, and so far he's proven himself to be much more than that. And that's a bit of a surprise out of fall camp for me, Ryan. Is is just how quickly he's gotten used to playing that position and become a guy that the quarterbacks clearly depend on. The, the the journey of Chris Tyree this offseason has been fascinating, man. I remember when he got moved to wide receiver, I was like, that's not going to work out. Like, that's literally my first impulse. I'm like, I don't see that fitting, right? And then you hear it's going well. You're like, okay, maybe he could be a really nice gadget player, right? Get some reverses, get some jet sweeps, catch some screens, do that type of stuff. Some right? crossing like, routes, the occasional yeah. – quick out cut, you know, just the simple stuff that doesn't require a lot of knowledge of playing wide receiver. Easy space stuff, right? Yeah. Just trying to get that kid in space and letting him work. And then the more you hear about it, you're hearing him winning down the football field, creating big plays, running seams, like all this different stuff that's not very easy for a 5'9", 192-pound right. player. Like, it's just not. So Who's been playing running back his whole life, right? So like he's gone from a forgotten yeah. running back this offseason to – a gimmick wide receiver punk, uh, kick returner to potentially being a difference maker at wide receiver. Focal like, point of the offense, yeah. right, right. <laughs> now we'll see if that- it plays out that way, but that that is certainly something that has, has surprised me in, in, in fall camp so far. The, the, those are really, for me, it. I, I think you could say that Holden Stace has been a little bit of a surprise for me, Not, but, but I, I don't want to kind of go full, because I always love the talent. I mean, it just was like, when's it going to happen? So 
I, I hesitate. I originally had him down as sort of one of my surprises of fall camp, but it, it was more surprised because I thought he might need a little bit more time to be that guy. And we still, he still might be, you know, we need to see when games start, but I've been imp- really impressed with just the ease with which he goes about his business on a daily basis. He really does. Sure. And if he keeps doing what he's doing, it's going to make Mitchell Evans better too. Cause Mitchell wants to be that guy as well. And so that battle, I mean, competition, if it's done the right way, makes everybody in that competition better. And I think we're seeing that at tight end. I, I do. Yeah. Well, I think we need it too. I mean, cause there are obviously some, Injury question marks that have arisen, you know, I mean, even with Ke- the Ke- even before the Kevin Bauman injury, I mean, you're still dealing with Eli Raritan getting back at some point, you know, hopefully during the season and you're down to depth of right now it's Mitchell Evans, Holton Stace. And, you know, you, you have um, uh, the former walk on his name's always David Sherwood, apologize. David yeah. Sherwood, who caught that really nice in cut during the blue gold game. Like he's a good football player. But at the end of the day, you expect Mitchell Evans and Holden Stace to be the guys because they are the pure scholarship players that have been on scholarship their entire time at Notre Dame and have a lot of talent. So seeing Holden Stace, who also brings a different variable to the football field that I think you don't have enough of that are healthy right now. And that's the guys that can line up a little bit everywhere, right, and bring some pass game upside. So it's been awesome to see his maturation this offseason. Notre Dame's going to need him, man. They're going to need him because they – I li- I really like Mitchell Evans as a football player, but there's just some things, in my opinion, that Hold Stace can bring to the field that Mitchell Evans doesn't really bring in its entirety. So I'm excited to see what he can really – how big of an impact he can have this season. Let's dive into the, the the biggest questions that we have, Ryan. And and so you are understand the premise of this conversation. Yep. Question, And this is a comment that I made – on the message board, somebody said that there can, that every team has weak spots. And the point he was making is, is because we don't know a lot about the guard, he called it a weak spot. And my whole thing is something being a question or a concern doesn't make it a weakness. It means it's an unproven aspect of your football team could end up being a weakness, could end up being a strength. We don't know. I remember us talking about, uh, I was at, um, at the time covering Notre Dame and, and going into the 2015 season, I was at Blue and Gold and, and we were doing shows and Lou and I were talking about shows. And if you if you remember kind of looking back at the 2014 season and what the biggest question marks were, were what I felt it was receiver was a big question mark going into 2014. Because if you remember the 2013 season, Ryan, you lost TJ Jones of the NFL. You lost Troy Nicholas of the NFL. you And then you had DeVars Daniels got suspended. He was supposed to be sort of your go-to guy in 2014, but he got suspended. So you're going into the season where Chris Brown is your leading pass catcher from the previous season, and he had 15 catches. You know, Will Fuller and Corey Robinson combined for 15 catches that previous season. C.J. Procise only had seven catches the previous season and you because you had lost your top pass catchers. And then going fast forward to 2014, Will Fuller goes from six catches to 76. 161 yards to 1,094, one touchdown to 15. Chris Brown also jumps from 15 catches to 39, from 200 yards to 548. Corey Robinson goes from nine catches to 40, about 150 yards to 539. C.J. Procise goes from seven yard catches for about 72 yards to 29 catches for 516 yards. And then Emil Carlisle goes from being a running back the year before who caught seven passes for 30 yards he goes out in 2014, and he catch, catches 23 passes for 309 yards as a receiver. So 
but you you can't you can look back hindsight 2020 and say oh receiver was not a question mark going into 2014 it absolutely was right it, it absolutely was uh, a question mark going into 2015 was what happens if Malik gets hurt Deshaun Kaiser was coming off of a brutal spring he was a redshirt freshman he had never played a snap of college football if Malik goes down it's him and Brandon Wimbush who was a true freshman that's it sound familiar right so the, it, it's it's more of an unknown than a weakness we won't know if anything is a weakness until we see them play football games but as we said before ryan the biggest question mark for me or at this point in time is the receiver and the guard play and we'll we will just briefly touch on guard because we already talked a lot about it but everything we said about the guard position before is where we stand it's a question mark we don't know how it's going to be we're encouraged by how you know, quickly certain guys won jobs, but now we need to see them play. And then if they don't play well, you know, how does that impact Zeke Corral? That, that's yeah. a question too, that, we're, that, you know, so it, you and I, Ryan and I believe this very strongly. If you're not good up the middle on your offensive line, you're not going to have a great offensive line. I don't care how yeah. good your tackles are. So to me, that's still a question mark that we're going to have to see answered, but we did talk a lot about that position and the concerns that we have and the, the things that we like. Receiver's the big one, though, Ryan. And 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 when I say qu- it's a question mark, it's again, it's not. I'm not as concerned as uh, a lot of the people in the chat are, you know, because of whatever they're hearing in practice sports. I don't really care about that stuff. Are they competing? Are they learning the offense? Are they getting down timing with the quarterback? That's the stuff I care about. Not whether they won this rep or that rep or this drill or that drill. Right. That's I just I understand what the purpose of practice is, and it's not always going to be that. Right, yep. Ryan. You've played football. There's times where one side of your ball of the ball struggles in camp. They turn out to be really good in the season because it's just part of the building process. I remember us being really concerned about the Notre Dame front seven in 2017 because we watched the Notre Dame offense rip off 50-yard run after 50-yard run after 50-yard run. And I remember Mike Elko saying before the season, like, yeah, we're actually not that bad. <laughs> we're okay. It's just that group right there is really freaking good. They called them human lie detectors. Well, come to find out, that front seven in 2017 was pretty good. Yeah. And uh, and it really was that offensive line was that good. But the question is, is it just because they're going against really good corners? Are they still struggling? Are they comfortable? To me, you look at a guy like Tobias Merriweather. I still have my expectations have not changed. But this is a guy with just one career catch. We've got to see him prove it in games. Jaden Thomas is a guy that's a known commodity as a slot. He's not a known commodity as an outside guy. And now that's pretty much all he's playing this 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 season. We didn't see Deion Colsey take that step in practice. Will that change by the time we get to the season? I don't know. Is he just going to be a rotation guy like he was last year in a quality rotation guy, made some big catches down the stretch, or does he take that step? You know, what's Jaden Greathouse going to be? He's been great in practice so far, but what's he going to be like in game? So I have, a, I still have his, all the confidence I had in this unit before the, the season started, I still have. It's just they need to go prove it now. And until they do – I don't care what they did in fall camp. If they had a great fall camp so far, Ryan, I'd be saying the same thing because sure. it doesn't matter about practice as much. Practice is about getting the timing down, learning it, com- competition, getting your con- your conditioning level correct, getting on the same page. It's not so much about we won X number of scrimmages or we won X number of one-on-ones. This receiving core, no matter what's happened in fall camp, now gets an opportunity over the next two weeks to grow and build and be ready to go make plays in the season. If they do, this offense is going to be special. If they don't, this could still be a good off, pretty good offense. It just won't be that big time, maybe championship level offense that we hope it can be. 
And so until they prove it, the receiving core to me, and you could even throw a tight end in there from a pass catching standpoint, because they only have like five career catches right now, a tight end coming back next year, right? Four from Holden Stace, one from, uh, one from, uh, or four from Mitchell Evans, one from Holden Stace. Yeah. Uh, the pass catching aspect of it to me is still the biggest unknown and which makes it the biggest concern for me. It's going to be super interesting because I know people are stargazers out there, right? Where you look and you say, well, wide receiver recruiting room, uh, wide receiver room is littered with former four-star players, right? Like high impact players, right? So the talent's there clearly, but you're in a state of maturation where you don't know exactly what you have, right? Like, you know that when I walk past Tobias Merriweather and Deion Colsey, just on the hoof, you're like, that guy's an impressive-looking athlete, right? They're impressive. You walk by guys like Braylon James, that's an impressive-looking athlete. You walk past Jaden Greathouse, you're like, that is a big, strong wide receiver. You walk past Jaden Thomas, you're like, that kid's six one and a half, two hundred twenty pounds. Like, that's wild. There's, They look the parts. Unfortunately for some of them, they are behind the eight ball a little bit because the previous staff did not develop wide receivers well enough to what they needed to. Now I have, I have great trust in Chancey Stuckey that he's getting it turned around because we saw growth last season. We're seeing growth on the recruiting trail. I think this, this position is going to go in a great direction, but you're talking about a lot of juniors, a lot of sophomores and a lot of freshmen that are going to be contributing. Right. And there's a lot of unproven production up to this point. So the baseline is lower because you don't have a lot of proven production coming back. The ceiling is extraordinarily high though. If you just have three guys in that room, take massive steps, right? See Jane Thomas takes a step forward to bias Merriweather and whoever else, Chris Tyree or Jaden Greathouse or whoever, then it's going to be a potent wide receiver room and probably the best that we've seen in several years, or it's still developing. Right. And so like, it's a little bit in between because I, the one, the one thing I'm worried about slightly is that you have a 60-year quarterback who's only going to be here for one year. His window for production and to being a, a winner at Notre Dame is right now. It's now or never. Wide receiver room, all these guys can come back again. Every single one of them. It's not now or never for Deion Colsey. It's not now or never for Jaden Greathouse. It's not now or never for Tobias Merriweather. They right. still have time if 2023 isn't the now. So are those windows going to align is the only major question mark I have. I think they can, and I'm very hopeful that they will. But until it happens, it's a question mark until we see it, right. for sure. And and if it happens this year, when? Is it game two? Is it game one? Is it game three? Is it game five? Is it game nine? Like, when does the light go on? What you can't have is you can't have them play as poorly as they did early last season. Because that'll get you beat in game three. If you play as bad against NC State as you played against Cal in game three last year, you're getting beat. Unless your defense just holds them to like 10 points, right? You're 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 getting beat. So that's the part we need to see. Now I'm I'm confident that we feel like the baseline now is higher than it was a year ago, simply because we've yep. seen these guys play, Ryan. Like we've seen them all play. Yep. And uh, you know, so so we'll see. But that that to me is is one of the big question marks that I look at. We've talked about the guard position. And then the final question mark to me, Ryan, is you know, you could talk about backup quarterback. That's a bit of a question mark. That's, but that's a question mark with most teams. Most teams aren't established at, at best. They're, you know, the backup quarterback position. I think probably Ole Miss is about the only team that I can look at and say they're going to have a dude with a lot of playing time sitting on the bench 
right? I mean, someone with a lot of starting time sitting on the bench because they have Jackson Dart and Spencer Sanders. But the big one for me is just it's it's Jared Parker. It's again, it's it's the biggest unknown of what we know. Like we've seen these receivers play, right? We've seen them play football. We've seen Chris Tyree have a 100 yard pat receiving game. This is what some people forget. The leading returning all career pass catcher and yardage player in receiving for Notre Dame in 2023 is Chris Tyree. Not Jaden Thomas, not Deion Colsey, not Tobias Merriweather. It's Chris Tyree. Chris Tyree has a 100-yard receiving game under his belt. He has two 50-plus-yard receiving touchdowns in his career. He had the one against Oklahoma State and then the one against uh, Toledo in 2021. So uh, that's a, that's an un- – but we've seen him play is the point. We yeah. don't know what Jared Parker is going to do as an offensive coordinator. I'm actually optimistic, Ryan. I, I am. But again, it right now it's a, I think, based on this data point, this conversation, what I'm seeing from here, the talent level, I can put those things together and put the, 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 the pieces to the puzzle together and say, you know, I feel confident that this offense is going to be run well from a coaching standpoint this year. But it's still a guess. It's still a guess until we see it happen. And so that's the, the what a lot of this is about, Ryan. It's what are the knowns versus the unknowns? I know Jared Parker's a pretty good tight ends coach. I know he has experience being a pretty good wide receivers coach. I know that he's worked in this system with this coach and done these type of things. What I don't know is what he is going to be like as the guy in charge. We're going to find that out this season. As I said, I'm actually optimistic about it, Ryan. But until we see him do it, you have to call it one of the big unknowns that we have on defense right now or all on, on this football team right now. Yeah. I mean, it is, I mean, cause you can be as hopeful as you want, but the only data point you can look at is his brief time at West Virginia, which is an imperfect data points. Cause we know that Neil Brown had his, he had his control over that offense. So that is not a real data point. It's not, I mean, I, it's so funny. I see people kind of point to that all the time. Both Notre Dame fans and non-Notre Dame fans have liked and like, oh man, sure, look what he did at West Virginia. I'm like, guys, like he didn't call the plays for the most part. <laughs> like he didn't, it's not his, it wasn't his responsibility, unfortunately, for him. So it's an imperfect data point. This is, in my opinion, Jared Parker's first real opportunity to call plays where he is the guy and that it is his offense and it is his butt on the line and everything in between that you would want for an offensive play caller. So I am very optimistic. I think that from conversations I know that you've had with him, from things that you've heard, I know that he's a bright guy. And I know that he believes in certain things that I think are principles that can win at Notre Dame. There's no doubt about it. And there's been some things I've heard from him in the spring that make me pretty optimistic with some things that I'm hearing, right? So it's a question until it's not a question. But I am optimistic. I yeah. just need to see what it looks like. Well, and and here's the here's the one thing we do know about his time at West Virginia because you've you've rightly pointed out Ryan that he had a very limited control over what West Virginia did when he was there, and when you look at that West Virginia offense, it was an offense that finished 86th in that, that season in in, uh, in total offense. Clearly, not a, a a a wonderful performance by that offense. They finished 88th in scoring offense. What he was responsible for was calling plays in the red zone. That was his job. They finished that year 19th in the country in red zone offense. You know, like 30-something in red zone touchdown percentage. When you look at the year before he got there and you look at where West Virginia ranked, they ranked 118th. In two years, he took them from the 118th red zone offense to the 19th red zone offense because that was his that was his baby. 
from what we were told, right? And so that's the only thing we know. But to be a great coordinator, you got to get into the red zone first, right? Like if you can't do things to get you into the red zone, it doesn't matter that you're a great red zone designer and play caller, right? You've got to do the things to get your group into the red zone. And that's something that we'll have to learn. But, you know, yes, optimistic. But but when you're looking at it just for what it is, it's a question mark. And then, of course, there's the question mark of how will the staff gel together? How will Joe Rudolph do? You know, will him and Gino Gadouli mesh well with Jared Parker because they have coordinator experiences? It can go one of two ways, right? It could be great because he can lean on these experienced guys that have done this and done that, or they can kind of be like, well, I would do it this way or I would do it that way. And then there's that butting of heads where there's that never that acceptance of him being the guy that that's the two ways it could go. And then, you know, primarily from what we've heard, it's going, it's gone well. But until we see it in action, that it, it goes well until like that first time in a game where, you know, there's a disagreement on what you would do in this situation, then it all falls apart. That it can go like that too. So it's just another layer of what we don't know about this football team. But we'll learn it quickly because yes. when you play what Navy does in Week One, you know, with with uh, with their defensive coordinator, well, former head coach or former defense coordinator, now the head coach, you know, he wants to bring pressure. They're going to yes. blitz from all over. You know, it's tons of different angles. Tony Gibson's going to do the same thing in week three. Ohio State's going to bring pressure from all over in week five. You're going to find out very early what this offensive staff is made of, Ryan. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it's going to be very telling very quickly. I mean, you're going to have a couple warm-up games to begin there, but then you play against the Tony Gibson defense that, that let up less than 20 points per game last year and is historically a very good defense. And also – bring back two very good cornerbacks and they bring back a couple versatile linebackers and Peyton Wilson, where pressure is going to be a thing that they're definitely going to lean on. There's no question. So you're going to have to, it's going to be a little bit of baptism by fire. The first five games of the week, because you're going to play against some aggressive style defensive coordinators. And if you don't have your ducks in a row and everything ready to go and adjustments kind of in your mind and at hand, I, I think that Notre Dame is, is, it's going to be in a little bit of trouble, but I think that they're going to be in a good spot, but they're certainly going to get tested. There's no question about that. 